All right, worship. We're going to wrap up worship today. Everybody say amen. Man, don't you love to worship? Oh, I love to worship. I love it when my heart really goes into that worship place. When it goes beyond singing a fun song and into lifting up the name of the Lord, that my heart genuinely lifts up the name of the Lord, genuinely lifts up God in my life. When I cross over into that, man, it's good. When we as a church body crosses over into not just the music, not just the relationship, not just the fun that we have together, but our hearts together cross over into everyone lifting up God's name, it's good. It's good. King David, the prophet, priest, king of Israel, he was the king of Israel, God's preeminent model for worship. As we have been studying, we have seen that one of our main examples for worship is David. To know how to praise God in the midst of whatever's facing you, David knew how to praise God. And God, again, is wanting to put something back in the church. And we see in Acts chapter 15, verse 16, this is just very brief review from last week. After these things, I will return. This is Acts chapter 15. This is New Testament. And I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen. And I will rebuild its ruins. And I will restore it so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from long ago. Father, open our hearts this morning. Let us hear your word. Let us be filled with your spirit. And Lord, let us move accordingly. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you remember, when the Ark of the Lord, when the Ark of the Covenant was in Moses' tabernacle, you remember it was in three parts and it was completely covered. You could not see it from the outside. In fact, it had three layers of covering, concealing the most holy place, the holy of holies. And if you remember, only one person was permitted in there a year to be able to... Um, give sacrifices to atone for our sins, the day of atonement. And only one tribe was allowed to be in there to work, to serve, to prepare. And that was the, uh, uh, the Levite tribe. And David's tabernacle was identical to Moses's in the basic sense, but in one big way, it wasn't the same. Instead of it being completely closed off, it was in a tent. You could walk by and see inside. Every man could walk by, the rest of mankind could walk by and see, not just the priest, not just the tribe of Levi. But then we saw in the book of Samuel, 2 Samuel, we saw last week, another significant change between David's tabernacle and Moses's. Remember, David told the prophet Nathan, David said, Nathan, I want to build a house for God. I'm tired of looking out here and seeing this tent. When I live in a house, I want to build a house for God. Nathan said, go do that. That sounds good. And you know what? David's heart was right. But God spoke to Nathan, the prophet. And Nathan came back and said, David, you're not to build this house. You're not to build this house. But God says he's going to build your house. God told through Nathan, told David, God said, I will build your house. At this point, David was so overwhelmed. We see here in 2 Samuel chapter 7, David was so overwhelmed that he ran out and he went into the tent and he sat 
before the Lord. Then David the king went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord, and what is my house that thou hast brought me this far? You know, as we're sitting here talking about God's wanting to do something new, and it's a new season, that's what overwhelmed me is, God, why me? It overwhelms me that you would do that for me. I was talking with, with Miss Caldbeck, who's back from um, Italy. Um, she just happens to be back in the States for a, a few days and just talking about how um, God just rescues us. Is that um, <laughs> Titanic? I'm the king of the world. <laughs> You know, our life is, is full of disaster if God doesn't come. You know, that story of Titanic, our life is going to sink without the Lord. But as I was worshiping, it's, more one of, it's just one of those things of, I don't know why you chose me, God, but I'm overwhelmed that you did. And I'm so thankful that you love me so much that you have something great for me, like a dad has for his child. And he has dreams for me. And they're exceedingly abundantly more than I could even think or ask. They're so good. But David was overwhelmed. And over that, and, and because of that overwhelm, overwhelming feeling that he had, he ran in and broke the law. And God didn't see it as wrong. He saw it as right. It's where he wanted David. David wasn't a priest. He wasn't a Levite. Even though he was king, he wasn't allowed to be in there. Only the high priest. But what we see here is that David represents a greater priesthood. A type and a shadow of the coming Messiah. Which was confirmed in the book of Hebrews. And I had this typed out for you today in New King James, but I just, I went over it and went over it and went over it, and I just didn't understand it. Have you ever read scripture over and over and over and you just can't quite get it? That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the, that's why we need the Word. We need worship. We need the Holy Spirit to come and teach us. So I kept digging, and I just wasn't satisfied. I don't get this. I don't think my church is going to get this. I'm not trying to say we're dumb. We're not dumb. But I want to get it. This greater priesthood, this foreshadowing of what David had for us, it's what I was praying in the work with the worship team before we came out, is that we would get it. Today we would understand why we have what we have today. The veil has been torn. What does that mean in my life? It means something. 
Jesus dying for our sins, of course, means something. But the fact that the veil was torn and that the Holy of Holies was made access to us, where it said that he would make his presence known to all men. He would open it to all men so that all Gentiles could serve the Lord, could come into the presence of the Lord. It says in Hebrews, this is from the message. If the priesthood of Levi and Aaron, which was provided by the framework for the giving of the law, could really make people perfect, there wouldn't have been a need for a new priesthood. You know what that's saying? If the law could have done its job to to save us, if the law was perfect in making us perfect, we didn't need Jesus to come and die on the cross. We didn't need this new priesthood. Like that of Melchizedek. But, since it didn't get the job done... There was a change of priesthood which brought with it radical new kind of law. There is no way of understanding this in terms of the old Levitical priesthood, which is why there is nothing in Jesus' family tree connecting him with that priestly line. I'm telling you, this is, this is mind-blowing if you will allow it to be. But the Melchizedek story provides a perfect analogy. Jesus, a priest like Melchizedek, Not by genealogical descent, but by sheer force of resurrection life, he lives. Priest forever in the royal order of Melchizedek. The former way of doing things, a system of commandments that never worked out the way it was supposed to, was set aside. The law brought nothing to maturity. Another way, Jesus. A way that does work, that brings us right into the presence of God is put in its place. This is so deep. We could spend a year talking about the difference between the law, the old covenant, and the new covenant. There was nothing wrong with the old covenant. It was good. The problem was us. We couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. Put me, put you in Old Testament times, we would fail. That's why we had to have a new way, a way that wasn't based on us. Unfortunately, the law was based on us, and we couldn't do it. And David was demonstrating that a greater priesthood was coming, a priesthood that was based in relationship. It no, longer, uh, it no longer took the priest. I didn't have to go to the priest and say, this is what I've done. Will you go please make atonement for me? No, David came straight to the king. David came straight into the presence of God. And we have become a kingdom of priests and kings in Christ before God. David was a type or shadow of the better priesthood to come. God was building a house, the house of David, whose seed, Jesus Christ, would tear down the dividing walls so that every man and woman could sit and gaze at the beauty of the Lord's presence. What David did, Jesus did for once and for all when he died and that veil was torn. And we were given access into the presence of God. The pro- a big problem 
a big problem that we as Americans, that we as Christians, that we as the church have is we kind of like staying on the outside of the veil. Let the other person do all the heavy lifting. Let the pastor do it. Let my Sunday school teacher, and I'll kind of glean off of his field. But the Lord has said, no, it is for you personally. Men especially, I want to tell you, you are to come into the presence of God. And men, it's going to look and feel different. Different than what you're used to. You are not supposed to stay outside anymore. When you are hurting, you are supposed to run into the presence of the Lord. It is wide open. You have complete access. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. There is no no hindrance between you and God that can stop you from going in. There are things that will try, but there is no power great enough to hold hold you back. The price has been paid. The key is you have to go in. The Psalms of David reveal totally new concept of abiding in the presence of God. Dwelling in his tabernacle and temple in a, complete, in, a, in a place of complete peace and safety. This man knew and loved God in his heart. He didn't simply fear him from a distance. He did, God did not want to insula, insulate himself from David. He found David as a man after his own heart. Law isn't needed when there is love and devotion. In Psalm 27, David describes some of the enemies and dangers that he faced. Look at what it says here in Psalm 27. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. Verse 6. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with joy, with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Do you see something really different about when Jesus comes into the tabernacle, when David comes into the tabernacle of the Lord? He's not having to come in with bulls, with animals. He's not having to come in with anything, just him. And what he offers is shouts of joy and songs. It says that the Lord's not wanting your offering. He's not wanting the bulls and goats. He wants your heart. That's why, men and ladies, the presence of the Lord is open for us to come in. David is describing an intimate, loving, and confident relationship with the living God. A relationship that had never been seen on the earth at that point. Some leaders were allowed to commune with God, but never on such an intimate and loving level. 
David's precedent-setting relationship with God would be unequaled and unparalleled until the coming of Jesus. And this power of his praise, of David's praise and worship, is still being restored in the church today. The circumstances that faced David, his life when he wrote this psalm that we just read, should encourage us when we feel surrounded and alone. An evil man was trying to devour David's flesh. David was facing antagonistic armies with war breaking out in every area. His own family. People were after him. It's not just something made up. He was fearful for his life. And in the midst of all this, David says, I'm going into the tabernacle. I am going to inquire of the beauty of the Lord. And I'm going to say to God, isn't this beautiful? My world may be crashing, but God, you are beautiful. You are awesome. David's saying, when the enemy is coming at my flesh... I go to the table and I look at God. Do you know that uh, Psalm 23 says that God prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies? God's saying, it's okay about the enemies. They're there. I see them. But my provision is here. Right here in the presence of your enemies, my provision is still here. You know what God's saying? I'm there. I am with you. Don't forget that I am with you. Something is special about the sanctuary or dwelling place of God. According to Psalm 73, when the writer got fed up with evil people prospering, while holy people suffered, he headed for the sanctuary of God. Now, don't miss this. The sanctuary of God, now this is the sanctuary. We're in the sanctuary, right, of the church building. We are talking about you personally being in the presence of God. Okay, when we're reading this here, catch this. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight until I came into the sanctuary of God. Remember what I just said? This person was struggling seeing evil people prosper and good people hurt. And it says things seemed awful until I came into the presence of God. Why? Because when you come into the presence of God, your perspective changes. Don't raise your hand. How many of you are facing something terrible? This scripture is saying if you will come into the presence of God, your perspective will change. Your perspective will change. The circumstance will probably still be there, but your perspective will change. How many of you have ever heard sometimes you just need to step away and take a, take a bird's eye view of what you're facing? You're too close to it. Have you ever heard that expression? Sometimes you just need to walk away for 30 minutes. Go have lunch. Go play racquetball. Go run. Go do something else and then come back to it. Why? Because of perspective. When you're facing crisis in your marriage, when you're facing crisis in your life, when you're facing crisis with your health, you need different perspective. Your life is not determined by the report the doctor gives you. Your life is not determined by what the weather guy says, the storms are coming. That is not your your leading word. 
The problem is so many times we hear that word and we buy into it and we never look back. We just go right, we just fall right off the cliff. And the Lord is saying, okay, I'm not saying your storm's not coming. I'm not saying you don't have a challenge in front of you, but come into the presence of the Lord. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight until I came in to the sanctuary. Why did David go in the tabernacle, the sanctuary of God, after his disappointing meeting with Nathan? To get perspective. Worship helps us get our perspective right. It's easy to get down when you look at drug pushers, when you look at what happened this morning. We have a choice at that point, at this point. We can either get down or we can get into the presence of God. Something happens when you behold God's Shekinah glory in the beauty of his presence. God is looking for a resting place. And he will take pleasure in your house if you will worship and praise him in your home. What do you do? What do you think he does when he hears you worshiping in the morning? When you spend your morning just sitting down before the Lord. You may say, Pastor, how do I come into the how do I come beyond the veil? Good question. What did David do? David was overwhelmed by the report. What did he do? He just went to God and started talking to him. Do you know how you come into that place? You just come to the Lord and say, Lord, you're awesome. And I just want to tell you, I, I, I want to get my heart right for just a minute. So many things are coming at me, but I just let me just stop for just a second and say, God, you are great. You are the name above all names. There is nothing that I could face that's bigger than you. And Lord, your word tells me that I am your child. That your name is stamped on me. That my name has not been blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. That you have a great um, future for me. God, you're so big. You're so awesome. And I just want to love on you just a minute. You know, as simple as that seems, that is me coming beyond the veil and coming right into the presence of God. And then I need to shut up and listen. Being in the throne room with the Lord is not just for me to talk in. It's for me to listen. Now, it's good for me to talk. The Lord wants to hear what's on my heart. But he also wants us to hear what's on his heart. Do you know what made David such a great king? He inquired of the Lord. And he obeyed. And when he fell down, he repented. And he got back up and put his sword back on and went back to battle. He made some mistakes. You make mistakes? Do you make mistakes? You're like David. But the difference is, we must seek the Lord like David sought the Lord. The Lord doesn't say he's going to restore the tabernacle of Moses. It's the tabernacle of David. A tabernacle of praise and of worship and open and accessible. And you know, when I come to the Lord and I start praising him and I start worshiping him, you know what I think the Lord says? Hmm, that's where I want to be. I think I'll go abide in that household. 
the Lord says that he abides in the praises of his people and that he's looking for a place to settle. So when I start to really worship the Lord and give my heart to him and start talking to him, I believe he says, that's where I want to be. I want to sit there. I'll just rest here a while. David said in Psalm 132.8, he said, Arise, O Lord, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. Then in verse 9, he said, Let your priests be clothed with righteousness and let your saints shout for joy. Psalm 132, verse 13, says, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his habitation. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy I will satisfy her needy with bread. Her priests also will I clothe with salvation, and her godly ones will sing aloud with joy. There I will cause the horn of David to spring forth. I have a, prepared a lamp for mine anointed. Don't miss out today what I'm going to say to you. Many of us begin with panic. We begin to panic and we start to run out of the necessities of life or the things that we need, out of our need, out of our circumstance. We run. But if we would ever get our act together and prepare a place for God's presence in Zion, then God will provide for all of our needs. Jesus echoed this even more when he said in Matthew 6, Seek First, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We've got to get to Zion. We've got to get past the veil and to get to the tabernacle and sit in its place where God will find rest. Now, I'm done. I'm going to close. Um, Zach, if you'll go ahead and come on up. Um, but I want to tell you, and I, I just want to apologize ahead of time to my wife because I'm going to share a personal story just for a brief moment. I don't struggle terribly um, to come into the presence of the Lord individually. Um, I, I, I feel like I'm sure I could do way, way better, but when I'm on my own, I'm not embarrassed, I'm not ashamed, I'll come right into the presence of, Lord, of the Lord and I'll just tell him what's on my mind and really expect him to move in my life. But I struggle coming into the presence of the Lord with my wife. Yesterday morning, and John and Judy, I'm going to give you a shout out too. Elizabeth said, John and Judy drink coffee every, every morning and do a devotion and pray together. And I'm like, great. And you say, hey, you're, you're a pastor. Don't, isn't that what we had once someone would say to a worship leader, man, I bet your husband's just awesome. He just worship, worships the Lord 24-7, doesn't he? And the wife said, not my husband. <laughs> but I said, okay, let's try it. So she goes and gets her iPhone, gets a devotion from Billy Graham, and uh, goes over it. And then she starts talking about what's going on in our life. And then she looks for me to add, and I got nothing. And I, amen. 
So I just said, let's pray. She's like, no, I want you to share. And let me tell you, church, I blew it. Next thing you know, we've got a full-blown fight. Satan will try anything to keep you from it. But I want you to know there is no power to keep me from coming into the presence of the Lord with my wife. Did I, did I give in? Yes, I did. Did we have a throwdown in our kitchen with two kids spending the night with us? And I'm like, I hope these kids don't come down because, I mean, we're a pastor and, and, and uh, you know, we got we to gotta look the part. You know, we gotta, we're going to get our... I am not kidding. Uh, I had Daryl and Debbie Thornton come by our house, and I still had on my pajama pants. I looked completely awful. I'm like, I don't have the part. I need to look the part. And they're like... Oh, look at him. Like, yeah. Yeah, don't come by on Saturday morning. I'm kidding. You might really get a shock, but anyway. But with all that said, because you're struggling doesn't mean it's not right. But you have to push through. These enemies are before you. You've got to take the sword of the Spirit and slay those enemies. And I told her, we have to get good at this. We have to. It's not an option not to. The fact that I don't want to has nothing to do with it. Men, the fact that you're not comfortable putting your hands in the air sometimes has nothing to do with it. Sometimes the Lord says, get your hands up. Okay, God, I surrender to you, Lord. If the Lord tells you to pray with your wife, pray with your wife. The Lord doesn't have to tell you to pray with your wife. The Word tells you, pray with your wife. We've got to come into the presence of the Lord. Men, I'm just going to say again, we've got to come into the presence of the Lord. When you're hurting, talk to the Lord. When things are good, talk to the Lord. When your kids go off the deep end, talk to the Lord. Call on Him. Call on Him according to His Word. Ask according to His Word. He will do it. He is watching over His Word so that He can perform it. Will you come into the presence of the Lord? And I want to tell you, honey, forgive me. I blew it. I blew it. I'm going to get it right. I'm going to get it right. At this time, we're going to go into a time of communion, a time of renewing, a time of renewing our covenant with God, a time of renewing that covenant with Jesus Christ and the price that he paid for us. Will you take this first step right now to come beyond the veil and come into the presence of the Lord?